What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's going on, everybody? It's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. And I'm stoked because I'm hanging out in the uh, virtual studio with my good buddy, Chris Magrida. No, Magrida. Magrida. I knew it. I, I knew it. That is, it's always, I knew it every, time, every time you hear my name, it's always a tricky one. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. M-A-G-R-Y-T-A. Yep. Try to pronounce that one. And he's got um, he's got the solution to uh, happiness on his whiteboard behind him. Um, if you could just follow the flow chart, if you're watching this video on YouTube, uh, and if you're just listening to it, you should see it. It literally is uh, it's awesome. It's like that little meme where it says like most people think the straight line to success or happiness, right? But what the reality is, it's all craziness. But that's what you've got behind you. Uh, what were you saying though? It's what is it though? It's it's uh, you've been studying so many different things, but it's having to do with COVID, right? Yeah, this one here is where does the immune system start to fall apart that allows people to succumb to COVID, and where are the breakpoints in it from a lifestyle perspective? Oh uh, yeah, nice. I just unplugged my computer, so hang on as I get my cord back. Um, tell tell those that are listening uh, a little bit more about who you are, where you're where you're at right now. You're a pediatrician. Um, I forget where you are in the States. Salisbury, North Carolina. That's right. North Carolina. My brother was just in North Carolina doing some windsurf, uh, what windsurfing, kite surf, kite surfing, kiteboarding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Down on the, down yeah. the coast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yes. a little bit farther yeah. inland. I'm very, I'm very close to Charlotte, a little bit farther North of Charlotte by about 40 minutes. Oh, okay. That's okay. where my office is. That's where I'm holed up right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we met, yes. uh, two, two months ago, roughly at a yep. men's, uh, men's initiative the the one that i've mentioned multiple times on the podcast traver bombs man of civilized initiation um christy and i just we hit it off because i think we both immediately started crying yeah. <laughs> in our first <laughs> in our first shares <laughs> like how, how are we really doing uh we're not doing so well <laughs> yeah yeah so totally repressed repressed feelings coming out fast and furious for those yeah. of us who hide everything right yeah jeez, man jeez. Yeah. well tell yeah, totally. yeah tell those that are listening a, a little bit more just your maybe your 30 second uh you know elevator pitch on who you are what you're doing and all the the great stuff that you're up to in the world yeah, for sure. So I'm a New York born kid who spent my first 21 years up in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and went to Vassar College for four years mm. before heading down to med school at Emory in Atlanta, which uh, was fantastic. Great place to learn how to be a physician, which ended up leading me to pediatric training at the University of Virginia, where I fell in love with my uh, current and only lovely wife. Uh, Nicole and we, because of the proximity of where her family lived, we moved to the Charlotte area because uh, of jobs and her family. So we ended up staying in this, in this market. I'm in the same practice I was in the beginning, all pediatrics, 
and my world has um, been shifting all over the place, man. I, uh, mm. I started as a general pediatrician with just, you know, hardcore allopathic, which means I did the old school. Uh, there's a disease and there's a drug and that's the answer. And somewhere along the way, my, uh, my wife was like, yeah, there's more here. She was a nutritionist. We met actually when I was a pediatric intern and she was a nutrition intern in her RD training. And she was already following Andy Weil and a bunch of these other uh, integrative folks and sort of like, hey, you know, there's another way to look at this. And I'm not too sure you know all this. I'm like, ah, psh, come on, stop it. This is the answer, mm -hmm. drugs, this. And so she started poking holes in my brain, specifically around <laughs> nutrition and other things. And, uh, and I really noticed in very short order that I was lacking in a lot of my training around things non-pathophysiology uh, or drug-based. And so- uh -huh. For a period of time, I sat there and uh, sort of said, you know what, I'm good. And then I realized I wasn't. So I went off to Arizona to study integrative medicine under Andy Weil at the University of Arizona mm. Center for Integrative Medicine. And that's when the shit hit the fan. The blinders came off. I started to realize that medicine is different than what I thought it was. There's a totally different way of treating patients that includes, mind you, includes drugs, but also includes nutrition, stress management, uh, you know, looking at the whole body, the whole child, instead of just yeah. this reductionist approach where, hey, man, I've got a disease, here's your drug. Mm -hmm. And so in short order, the better part of the last, uh, since I graduated 2008, the last 14 years have been dedicated to giving away as much information as I can mm. on these topics to help people stay healthy and stay out of my office. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Amen to that. <clears throat> what I find interesting about that, um, segueing into some of the things we were talking about before we started recording and even over the, the weekend when we first initially met was just, um, my own personal story. And those that have listened to the podcast know, like my, both my parents, um, you know, my, my dad was a, a closet homosexual. My mom was, uh, you know, uh, raising five children more or less on her own. Cause my dad was a workaholic and both of them kind of, uh, for the love that they, they didn't get from each other, they kind of threw into the kids or into work, but then uh, they kind of settled for the breadcrumbs of connection through food. And especially in the eighties, you know, nineties, the convenience of packaged yeah. food and just like, uh, and, and I, and I again, empathetically for my mom and my dad for that matter um, in, in various ways, just putting on weight over the years. Right. Uh, until my mom passed away at 61, which the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, my God, that's so that's so young. Um, yeah. But I have noticed, especially through COVID, too, when we were talking about it, like they're now seeing like the vast majority of people that are passing from COVID seem to be people that are overweight. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that has a big part of it. Um, and just kind of morbidity and, and everything else, diabetes. And so I just feel like uh, a big part of and what I did before with my previous businesses and, and gyms was working with people to better understand that food was just a coping way that they were dealing with a lot of shit that they had internally, emotionally. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I feel like in that longer drawn out way of getting onto this question, um, seeing how people, <clears throat> uh, food is such a fascination, you know, for, for Americans, especially, but how that really leads to a, a disconnect of, and a horrible example, quite frankly, of how to raise future generations, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what, what have you found as being some of the, the more common, um, yes, you can see it on the outside in terms of 
morbidity and, and just being overweight and that sort of thing. But what do you feel like in, in a lot of the work that you've done, is there a common theme emotionally that people are really struggling with? Is it loneliness, anger? Is it uh, poor childhood upbringings? Um, I'm just throwing yeah. out some examples, but are you seeing yeah, so, common threads? Yeah. So we call it ACEs, adverse childhood events, right? And so obesity is just one of the unfortunate byproducts of an adverse childhood event, right? And so in mm -hmm. kids, I deal with zero to 25, but primarily most mm -hmm. of my age group is up to about 16. And we start okay. seeing kids who are getting significant problems with obesity, Usually it's a marker, especially if they're unable to make change, that they're dealing with some kind of repressed social situation in their home, whether yeah. it's actual yeah. physical abuse, whether it's mental abuse, whether it's a uh, feeling of being less than or something like that. They are like adults do. They're almost looking to food as a way out. So whether they're addicted to it or they are just using it as a self-soothing mechanism, that right. food then becomes an avenue towards feeling better. And we know this, you know, the old historical story from you know 30 40 years ago you know somebody has a bad day the first thing the parents do is hey let's go get ice cream it's a treat so you start mm. to associate in your mind negative feelings with the savior to negative feelings is positive things through food and so we really try hard to tell folks right at the gate don't teach your kids to use food as a source of, of self-soothing because then it can become a negative problem around how they heal themselves. And so mm -hmm. I think just like in adults, the biggest thing when you see somebody struggling with, with weight or any other addiction for that matter, dive deeper underneath to try and see what they're actually dealing with at the core level that's making them struggle. And that to me is automatic. You need the whole connection. So you need the nutritionist involved in helping understand what foods are doing what, but you need the therapist involved saying, Hey man, let's go here. Why do you feel like, you know, that's a way for you to gain access to happiness? You know, where is the happiness missing inside you? Where is your self-esteem? Where is your, you know, self-love, right? Because in, in general, this turns out to be a, a lack of self-love too, because mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. to let yourself get to an unhealthy state so that you eventually end up potentially dying at 61, it's unfortunately, to some extent, you're looking in the mirror and you don't love yourself enough to make that hard decision to say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say too, though, I mean, in the, in the work, cause I, you know, prior to coaching men, I focused on really primarily coaching uh, women for eight years, you know, and having gyms and working with women, very similar to my mom um, in, in many regards, but I think the hard part and, and the question for you is like, I think a lot of people intellectually understand this conversation. Like, oh yeah. yeah. But but truly unpacking unpacking it and unraveling it to create long-term change, you know, um, yeah. is it, I've noticed at least in the percentages of people that I've worked with, it's extremely difficult, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think it it, it it takes consistency, right? So I can yeah. tell you during the pandemic, I joined, I joined a group of guys who work out together and we call it F3, right? So it started mm. in Charlotte, actually it's faith, fitness and fellowship. Mm. And we had a sort of splinter group that was small for COVID reasons. And, and during that period of time, we worked out pretty much every day together for the last two years has become 
an unbelievable motivator to being in great shape, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's that there's that consistency of wanting to be there in the morning to be with your buddies. And also there's that, hey, I don't want to let them down. So to some extent for folks when they're trying to make any kind of change, load your boat with people who are in like-mind decisions, right? So find folks around you who are saying, hey, you know, I see you're struggling with this. Why don't I check in with you once every week or every other day? And that's when we see the best change. If I see somebody in clinic, for example, say, hey, here's what's going on with you. And I can explain the physiology of this ad nauseum to them in layman's terms. Right. But unless they understand the downstream risk and it hits them in the core, right? If I say, hey, in 20 years, you're going to have diabetes and it's going to really suck for a 10-year-old kid, that doesn't compute at all. So you have to sort of try and meet them where they're at about what's really going on. And then you, if you see them for the visit, we go through all this and I don't see them back for three months, invariably nothing really changes. Mm. So this is where you start to get into these groups that are really starting to set up meeting once a week, phone quick, checking, hey, how you doing? What's going on? But invariably with kids, the biggest piece, you got to have parents on board because if they're not on board, they're buying the food they're bringing it home and you're going to ask a 10 year old kid or somebody not to eat the food. It's not going to happen. So <laughs> you get out of that age, right. And you yeah. go to the older age, you have the teenagers and the young adults, then you start getting into what makes them tick. Right. So I know teenage young men, you talk about getting in shape. How do you want to feel? Right. And then you talk about, I use a lot of sports analogies. Kids is, Hey, why is Tom Brady still playing? And the answer, they're like, well, he's just great. And I said, no, He's still playing because he has a regimented structure of life that is 100% anti-inflammatory. He is making sure his body's mobile. So if he does take, he doesn't lose. And he's keeping his mind focused the whole time. So he's not Mm -hmm. there by accident. Like people make up all Mm -hmm. kinds of reasons. I said, so if you're a kid and you want to be that, here are the things you want to do. Sleep, avoid toxins, eat healthy. We go through all those processes. But, you know, that that's sort of the, to me, the pieces of this that we want folks to pay attention to wherever they are. But if you're seeing somebody who's truly obese or struggling with weight, that's where you got to dive into those ACEs, the antecedent risk factors. Right. And I think that's, uh, you know, we experienced a weekend together and I've done several of those and I've harped on like, man, a podcast like this, a book, even a coach, it's all great therapist, counselor, all right. of it's great, but it's awfully hard to, um, to unravel and to get to the core of some of those aces, if you will, at an emotional level, uh, like what you experienced when you were a child, unless you do some type of experiential uh, work, which is what Michael Gay and I talked about, maybe similar on the when you had him on your podcast, right? It's like, yeah. and you have to match uh, intensity with intensity to some degree, you know? Uh, would yeah. you agree with that? Or do you feel like I, you can do? I, I, ab- I absolutely agree. And that's a bit, a bit struggle of mine, actually, since leaving Austin, you know, I, I really felt deeply that that was a very hard appreciation for me to ever gain from a book. I don't think mm. I could have read enough books to figure out what we got from an experiential level. And right. so to your point, if we could ever find a way to bring that to group therapy for kids or group therapy for adults mm. mass on mass. Yeah, that's good. Great. You know, like when mm-hmm. we talked to Traver about how you're going to scale this, that's a tricky, really tricky call because it's yeah. a lot of work for Traver, Michael and Dewey. It's a lot of mm-hmm. work for the people participating. And so this is not an easy scalable process. So I do think you're right. I do think this is critically important. I just haven't figured out really how to get it to a point where it does scale where we need it to for the whole country. So yeah. we are going to be stuck a little bit with giving away advice the best we can and try and help meet people where they're at. Right. Hopefully motivating them to, to look into doing programs like, um, 
life travers or I've done it through yeah. mankind project or MITT out in Los Angeles and PSI here in Denver. And there's a lot of opportunities. You just had kind of have to hunt around and talk to people who are in those circles to figure out where to go. Right. But, but I also wouldn't let the thought process that what you're doing right now by giving away data to people is not without a huge value. Right. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. you got, you and I both have gone to this experience. We've come out as, you know, as shining lights, to others of, hey, this really matters, right? Yeah. I'm not sure everybody needs to go to one of these things, but if they learn, hey, this is where you need to look when you're complaining about X, Y, and Z, look inside first. Where are you yeah. grounding yourself? Where are you being your greatest um, self-advocate? And, and are you putting up masks in the mirror? You know, I know when I was yep. there, one of the greatest hmm. gifts I got was the feeling you know, that I was suppressing all this death, right? So I was sitting there and I know you were, I think you were right behind me at that time. Yeah, I was. And, yep. and one of the guys that was with us, you know, we won't talk about who it was or what they were doing, but he was talking about things he dealt with around death. And man, out of nowhere, I just started hitting mm. the walls. Like, what is this? You know, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden I started realizing I started bubbling up all these feelings from the kids and the people that I'd seen over the years pass away in 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 my care or in in somebody's care near me and all that stuff just got shoved down in this left side of my body right right. and it was buried right and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's men's work it's coming up i'm like i had no idea this is i didn't come here for this what is this so you start to you start to realize even things you don't even know exist are there right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. again that's the experiential part that i don't know how we can get out other than again you and i sit and talk about it and say hey buddy this is what it is look there start looking into yourself i can say like we were talking about we were talking about just before we got on i've had some recent experiences where i started seeing stuff by just staring in the dark mirror of myself right just starting to Mm -hmm. say hey what is this and what is that Mm -hmm. and you can have self-discovery as well yeah well and i think that why it's such a good conversation why i'm so grateful to have you on the podcast is because um you know without knowing you we could just get into the conversation of why you know taking care of your your physical health is important for your mental health and but there's so many layers to this conversation um because we could be talking about food we could be talking about alcohol sex porn gambling just even work just being a workaholic and just think that the next uh new mercedes or the the bigger house or whatever the next promotion is going to put you but so many men that i've come in contact with they feel like there's something that's missing you know they feel like i should be happier than i really am on paper it looks good but i just feel so empty and i think there's a lot of it where even you and some of the other guys like you were referring to like they're doing such good work and yet there's still this like the the emptiness or the just the void the the darkness yeah. Yeah. you know that that needs to be shed some light on once you say right. and yeah for me it was a lot of unknowns right so i've been going yeah. through my life very happy you know i thought things were pretty peachy there are pieces of my life that weren't exactly what i wanted to so i came out mm-hmm. there just to look a little deeper and the stuff that came up, I had no idea what I was going to get into. But to your yeah. point, there is shadow and there is stuff. And if we keep working, we'll find it. But, you know, I think, you know, I think one of the questions you had asked, or, you know, in, in the list that you sent me up front with, you know, I came up with an answer and I was like, you know, the most important thing we can do as humans is keep exploring yeah, and, and, and sort of never stop looking at how we can be the best versions of ourselves. One for our spouse, if we're married or our girlfriend or, you know, if you're in a, in a um, non-heterosexual uh, relationship, if you're a homosexual relationship, whatever it is, yeah. your significant other deserves your best, right? And so each step right. of the way, 
you know, I figure I'll be 85 still learning to be the best version of myself. So I think to me, this work is, is critical to just that relationship. But then what does that relationship do downstream? Again, I'm always putting on my pediatric hat. If you have kids, how are you showing up for your kids? So they understand relational yes. nature, right? Are you showing up so that kids actually see a healthy individual response to a problem or a relational response between mom and dad or mom and dad with you when you're out of control. You know, I, yeah. I, I was talking to Dewey just the other day about how, you know, when, when a husband and a wife get into an argument and one goes spastic, right. And then if the other one just leaves the room, right. Or just, you know, doesn't deal with it. What would you do with your kid? Who's having a temper tantrum? You wouldn't just run mm -hmm. away. You'd stand mm -hmm. there and be like, Hey, 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 Johnny or Jimmy, or, you know, whatever. I'm here for mm -hmm. you. When you're done, let me know, but I'm not going to run away. And so I, I sort of find that so fascinating, you know, that, that as I'm starting to do more men's work and learning this stuff, I'm like, wow, we didn't get taught this as kids. I didn't have any of this modeling growing up. I had a phenomenal father, but I didn't get modeled some of the things that I really needed to know about how to be the best version of myself relationally. You know, my dad was yeah. an amazing man. God bless his soul. He recently just passed away, but he was my number one fan mentor. I loved him to death, but there were things he did that, you know, I look back on now and it didn't teach me the right way to relate in mm. relationship with other folks. And Dewey, you know, poignantly says contact equals connection, you know, then we'll get to relationship, then to intimacy, but it has to be over time scale. Yeah. And, and, and in my world, I keep noticing that sometimes that contact connection gets broken for various reasons. And so you can't get to relationship if you don't get that connection consistently. And so how do we get there if we're not taught this as children? You know, I, I say often, you know, a lot of us guys are given toolboxes with a hammer and a nail. You know, and our, our significant others have toolboxes with 30 ratchets, two hammers, five nails, and a couple of wrenches. And they're wondering why we can't meet them all. You know, we haven't been given these tools, so we need to go and search for these tools, right? And so how do you search for yeah. these tools? Well, you can read self-help books. That starts the process. You can listen mm -hmm. to podcasts. That's a whole lot better freaking way to get some data. But then you can also get into one of these groups and say, hey, buddy, here's a way to deal with this. Here's a way to sit in the shit mm -hmm. and actually survive it, right? And yeah, totally. for me, I'm a peacemaker. You know, I don't like shit. And so whenever I get stuck in it, I'm always trying to fix it, fix it, fix it. It goes along with my personality and that doesn't bode well in relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's how I sort of see this stuff. I'm always coming at it linearly from the, from the, the board behind my head way, you know, like here's the problem, nine routes to get to fix it. Sometimes actually, you know, and one of my senior partners who's 83 now, I think he sat me down one time and he said, Hey, one of the greatest things you can do is wait. He goes, so many problems fix themselves if you just wait. Give mm -hmm. it witness, observe it, love it, and it'll fix itself. And with kids, there's a lot of truth to that, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I think that's something that can be shared with people also is like, listen, what I'm going to do with you right now, you're struggling with X. I'm going to just sit with you and hold your hand while you figure it out. And you know what? If you want my advice, I'll certainly give it to you. But maybe what you need right now is just somebody to love you. Maybe somebody just be there with you while you're struggling in the moment, right? Instead of fixing it, right? Because, you know, I guarantee you, if somebody's, you know, struggling with alcohol, they've already heard 30,000 people tell them, buddy, you got to stop drinking so much. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the next thing they need to hear. Maybe the next thing they hear right. is, you know, Johnny, man, I'm here for you and I love you. Yeah. You know, and how powerful yeah. that is. And I, you know, we all got together in Austin. Was it 29 of us? Yeah. Most of us didn't know each other. 
by the end of that, yeah. it felt like we were at war together. It felt yeah. like I could call you up and say, hey, man, Johnny, I need you. And you'd be like, yeah. got it. And 100%. there's something, yeah. And there's something there that I would love to see more of in society. You know, I think when we're young, we have that to some extent in football teams and soccer teams and, you know, whatever events we have going out hunting or, but I don't, I think we lose that after college to some extent. We get in our work world and we show up at work, we punch our ticket, we do our shit, we get home and we start to lose track of where is that true connection coming from? Where am I, you know, being with my brother in arms, in the love of the fight, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, for me, that's the big piece. And, and where that goes, unfortunately, is when people don't have that, that outlet, that way to let yeah. go of their the internal stress, they get into what's called fight or flight mode. And I know you and I had a good yeah. conversation about this. And fight mm. or flight mode is fascinating. If you need to run away from a bull or not get hit by a car, that's a freaking brilliant system, right? It's mm. set up, it's instantaneous. You miss the car, you, you run, your heart rate kicks in, your blood pressure goes, epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol, all this fancy science stuff. And at the end of it, it cools down. But what if you don't leave that stress, right? What if you're... Yeah. What if you're, you know, like your father was struggling with his sexuality day in Mm -hmm. and day out, right? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know how to handle that, right? So emotionally, he's going sideways. And how's that developing? Well, the body keeps the score, right? So you're going to start developing symptoms, right? So again, I think it comes back to that same reality that what each one of us really needs is to frankly be held in love right it doesn't mean you have to mm. physically hold somebody although that's not too shabby either but man just hold somebody in in mm. in your presence of being like you know what is so great about dewey and michael and Traver right now right when we're there those guys are masters at holding space for people and you and mm. i are i know you're probably farther along than i am but i'm looking at this going man i'd love to learn how to be like that for people right mm-hmm. do that for mm-hmm. kids so you know i think that's some of the stuff that that to me is where the rubber meets the road and humans, you know, emancipating out of, you know, the men, you know, not having great toolkits is this is where you, you gain some tools. And then, well, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just gonna say, and then, and then you show up differently for your significant other, which then again, downstream effect to the kids. So powerful. And I think it still comes back around full circle to what you said, maybe 15 minutes ago, which is like, it comes back to like self love. Um, you know, what, what we don't get oftentimes, uh, and I can speak to my, to my own upbringings. Like I had a great upbringing for the most part, but when I start to unpack it, be like, you know what? I never actually felt emotionally safe to, to be all, you know, parts of me. I felt like I had to yeah. keep it together so that my yeah. mom didn't lose it. Cause I felt like she was just on a thin ice of like sanity or losing her shit, like raising yeah. five kids. So because of that, then I learned certain coping mechanisms, as did a lot of my siblings, um, about self-soothing, which happened yep. to be a lot of it for food. I just happened to be the one, one child that really said, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going right. to be extra healthy. And, and right. I think my pendulum was swung to the unhealthy side at some point when it comes to like nutrition and being super regimented and not right. being you know balanced enough. I see it in my, my siblings. I see it in their children. It's, it's being passed generationally. Right. Um, rather than just not necessarily having to fix something for our children, just being there for future generations to say, you're safe. You can be, you know, autonomous. You can be like, I'm here to help you. Otherwise you can figure it out to give them that sense of, uh, self-esteem and security. Right. So that when they are adults, 
they don't have to go to the self-soothing coping mechanisms that are actually destructive. They love themselves. They believe in themselves. And it has a a massive, like you said, downriver effect, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think the first word you have to say there is they have to accept themselves for who they are. And I think one of the, one of the biggest problem men have is shame and inability to, to deal with the things in the past. There's this whole world of cognitive dissonance, right? Where mm-hmm. your beliefs don't match up with your actions and they run into each other constantly. And right. that just sets yourself up for failure. So I think if 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 guys could take away anything from, from men's work, it's dude, we all make mistakes. And mm. not only that, we aren't given the greatest toolkits, right? So <laughs> You know what? Accept the fact that you screwed up. Accept the fact that things didn't go the way they need to, but don't stay there. Now move. Now what's the next piece? What's the next piece? What are you going to add into your toolkit? I'm always trying to add things to my toolkit because, you know, like you, I grew up in a house that I thought was leave it to beaver, man. It was perfect. I didn't see yeah. anything wrong. Right. But, yeah. you know, when you start unraveling, you say, well, yeah, that one perfect. Well, that one perfect. And, you know, my parents were great people, no abuse, no nothing. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that didn't fill my toolkit appropriately. I, I, you know, I had an older mm-hmm. brother who was a little bit, you know, I won't get into that, but I learned to basically be the peacemaker and to achieve mm-hmm. in order to keep the peace, right? Everyone mm-hmm. would be copacetic. And if I did that, and that's how I carried on throughout my existence. And it, it's caused me struggles because I don't choose sides. Well, I don't set boundaries well, because I'm always trying to keep mm-hmm. everyone happy. Right. And so mm-hmm. keeping everyone happy will keep you in pain. Right. And so mm-hmm. you sort of sooner or later need to to choose a side that's honest and honorable for everyone, but it doesn't have to make everyone happy, right? And so I think a lot of this stuff is accepting wherever part of this journey you're on. I know you've been on your journey and I've been on my journey and I'm learning to accept the things that didn't go right. And now right. let's let's make epic decisions that change that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it comes down to, to uh, taking responsibility first and foremost and, and just having the maturity and the wherewithal to be intentional about the, the behaviors that, you know, that we now choose versus being held to an older version of ourselves that is um, ashamed of previous decisions. Right. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I listened to a podcast uh, just yesterday that my little sister sent me um, from my coach, Christine Hasler. And she talked about men really struggle with um, feelings of shame and judgment. And, and in relationships, uh, I'm thinking more like hetero relationships, if, if the woman is really hammering on him um, where he feels judged and, you know, he feels shame, there's going to be massive problems. On the flip side, women oftentimes really struggle with uh, feelings of abandonment and not being loved, you know? Yep. Um, and deep down between, you know, below both of those two kind of like sides are just little boys, little girls who are, yeah. you know, going back to the, the ace, you know, just little, little ones that are just wanting to feel safe and loved uh, no matter what they do. Right. Right. And right. I think that's probably and, the biggest thing we could do for future generations too. Right. And they're sitting there hurt in their, yeah. whatever chair they're in the adult child, my sister-in-law, Michelle Shalfon yeah. has a podcast called the adult chair. Right. And she talks about yeah. these things where, what chair are you sitting in? And I find that I feel like the majority of my life, I sit in my adult chair, but there are things that trigger me to fall into this child chair. And I'm just wondering what the hell's wrong with me after it's all done, whatever happened. I'm like, how did I get yeah. there? And then when yeah. you really do the deep dive, there's something happened to you when you were a kid. And I can now ex- absolutely pinpoint the moment in my life where I first felt that struggle and how mm. it comes back to haunt me now. 
and I think that's also part of the that reality that you're talking about is you know just sit there and just be okay with you know shit wasn't perfect you know mm-hmm. we had great you know parents or so, even if you didn't have a great parent it is what it is right 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 they did the best with the tools that they had but I think it is important to go back and as a uh, as an, a mature adult now to go back and, and father or mother our inner child, if you will, because our, our, our kid version of us obviously comprehended only so much, you know, could only deal with so much. And we just did the best we could to make it through, but it wasn't really focused on thriving. It was really focused on just surviving. Right. And that's yeah. when a lot of these bad coping mechanisms come up, which is why I feel like so many guys, even though things look good on the surface, you know, maybe their marriage is not great, you know, or their, or their love for their job is definitely not present or their relationship with their kids is subpar. Like, uh, you know, things are pretty good, but we, we kind of minimize or we take away uh, any real drive to change things because we're like, well, you know, so-and-so has it worse than us. And like, or like, we're so much at least better off than our parents were. We kind of, kind of minimize some of that pain, even though we had a decent childhood, um, I think there's still always things, new levels to dig into. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, that, that gets into, again, that's our justification for staying in the position we're in because to move is yeah. painful at times. Right. So yeah. to make yeah. these shifts, it, it, it can hurt, man. It can hurt pretty bad. And, you know, yeah. for me, I, again, I think, you know, if I put on the, the, the physiology hat for a second, you know, if you stay stressed, right. So for whatever reason that is, if you are in constant conflict, with your spouse or you are in intermittent conflict with your kids or whatever, and you don't know how to handle that sooner or later, again, as Traver says, that's going to come out sideways. But what's really happening is these hormones in your body that are called the fight or flight hormones, they don't shut off. Mm-hmm. And when they don't shut off, you know, your vision goes from peripheral to cone, right? Because that's your a way to survive running away from the bull. You have to be able to sit there. Your heart rate stays up all the time. Your stress hormones are sitting there pumping out tons of blood sugar, yeah. which is driving, yeah. you know, secondarily these problems of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, right? So the stress in and of itself actually has huge downstream ramifications. And so, yeah. you know, for people, when I see them, even if they look on the outside, like, you know, you look healthy, I still want to know what's going on inside, right? Because sooner or True. later, if, if, if your mental side is in shambles, it's going to come out sideways as a disease. And we don't want to see that. So, you know, for guys, you know, what, what Johnny's saying here is critical, man. If your story looks great, but you're repressing a lot of stuff, don't. Start to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you, I mean, there's a lot of things we've obviously talked about, but the underlying theme for me and, and again, the, the purpose of the least, the, the branding that I have in terms of becoming Kings is like, man, it's, it's one thing to achieve, but it's another thing to actually feel like you don't, you know, you have the right amount of stress, you know, uh, you have, you know, a good balance on your, your health and you're setting up your life for, for longevity. So what, what types of uh, suggestions do you give either on your podcast or to people that you work with, obviously your, your clients and that sort of thing in terms of how to control, uh, mitigate, manage, whatever word you want to throw at it, stress and health and longevity. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I take it twofold, right? So when I think about kids, right, the number way to the number one way for me to help kids minimize their stress 
is actually to help them learn to deal with whatever they don't like in the moment, right? So mm-hmm. giving them a, an ability to say no, number one, say, hey, you know what, that's not working for me and here's why. You know, if you think about a kid, you know, who, who would come visit me and there's a conflict between her and her mother or her and her guardian, you know, the, the first example the kid's going to say is, you're not listening to me. This is what I want. And the, mm-hmm. and the parent will say, well, no, that's not okay. What you're doing is not okay. And the kids see there, you're not listening to me again. What the kid wants is for the mother or the guardian to say, well, tell me why you want that and tell me what it would do to make you feel better. Right. And we often don't do that. We often say, there's no way in hell you're doing that. Don't you dare. And so you set up an internal conflict with the kid right out of the gate. And what do teenagers want to do? They want to push away. They want independence. So by definition, you're setting them up to rebel. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to help kids learn how to deal with their own stress by asking the questions to the parents, say, you know, I see you don't want me to have this. Can you please tell me why? And can you listen to me why I want it? So they can be heard because when you're heard and you're validated, Hmm. things change, right? Stress is very different, right? And so I think for most people, the biggest stressor they run into is the inability to release that stress, you know, because we're all going to run into stresses over and over and over in our entire lives. So if you can find a way to validate and release for the kid, same. And I'll tell you, I'm not the best at this, but, you know, with a spouse or a child, this is the thing you need to do is just sit there and listen and go, hey, you know. I hear you, you know, I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't even have to agree in the moment, but I hear you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, I recommend all my kids, right. I I think of a a health as like a four or five legged stool, depending on how you look at it. And the top Mm -hmm. of that stool, the bench seat is your health. Each Mm -hmm. leg defines a part of your, your, your lifestyle structure. So one leg would be nutrition. One leg Mm -hmm. would be movement or exercise. One leg would be toxin exposure a one leg would be uh, mental stress, right? So if you have four legs on the ground, your health is great, right? One thing you can rarely ever control is stress. You can try and mitigate it like we talked about it, but you can't control right. if you get in a car wreck. You can't control if right. something comes at you where your stress is gonna go high. So totally. let's say you live in an environment where you're near a, a chemical factory and you inhale a lot of toxins. All of a sudden that's a second stressor, right? you all of a sudden could be in real big trouble if you don't eat well and you don't exercise. And what are most people doing nowadays? Kids and adults. We're sitting on our bottoms more. We're not moving. We're eating processed foods. We're driving our system to disease. So when I look at just a global picture and say, hey man, if you want to start your system working well, we can get into the microbiome and how that affects the brain and all the fancy words. But the truth is, if you really want your brain to feel better and less reactive and less stressed out and your body to be healing itself, eat a whole processed, minimally processed food diet, right? So that's vegetables and fruits primarily, nuts, beans, seeds, meat, and fish, and eat them in their whole form as close to mother nature as you can, right? And then mm-hmm. if you want to have a little bit of junk here and there, less than 5% of your calories, A-okay, not going to hurt you, right? right. So you just start, as soon as you start slipping into that 20, 30, 40% of your diet and kids are eating 60% of their diet processed, you're in deep trouble, Right. Second thing, move. It doesn't take running marathons. You could just walk a mile or two or three a day. That's going to help you out tremendously. If you've Mm -hmm. never done anything, I'd start slow. Walk to the end of the street and back. The next day, walk the end of the street plus 20 yards and back. And just keep adding and and, and iterating on the same situation. So you start moving. And the fascinoma there is, and that's up on this corner up here, when, when when you eat sugar, 
you need insulin to put it into the fat cell, right? To store it, yeah. right? Because that's what insulin wants you to do is store it. But if you ride a bicycle up a hill or you run, you don't need insulin anymore. So one of the best ways to get rid of sugar in your body is to move, right? It automatically mm. takes sugar and sucks it into the muscle for, for consumption. If I have a type one diabetic and I put them on a bicycle and, and they ride up the hill, they can drink sugar and not need a single unit of insulin and they'll be perfectly fine because they'll burn it. Right. This is the mm -hmm. fascinating part mm -hmm. about science. We know this stuff now, but the simple thing is tell your patient, hey, man, let's go move. Right. And then I, I, I do tell a lot of my teenagers, they're getting to that age where I try and get them to meditate. There's apps now that are great. Headspace, um, Calm app. Um, yep. There's uh, a couple others out there that are free. Get on there yep. and do some guided meditation. Right. Um, if you're religious, you know, go pray, go do some mm -hmm. self prayer, some journaling. You know, I think all totally. of this stuff has value. You know, for, for, for me, I like drumming. When I get stressed, I hop on the drum kit and I, I bang away like crazy. I that's think there's awesome. nothing wrong with that. You know, sort of getting into the man side. If there's stuff you like to do yeah. that's very manly, hey man, what's nothing wrong with it? As long as you're not hurting yeah. somebody, go to town, right? So, right, right. and then the final one I think is avoid toxins wherever you can. Don't put crap in mm. your body. That's going to hurt it. And that that's mm -hmm. the recipe for, for long-term health in general, depending on your genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about that too, in terms of like, just even the, um, the energetically, if we're talking about like the frequency of thought, you know, yeah. a lot of times I actually find myself in a, uh, a mindset of scarcity, fear, um, self-condemnation or judgment. Like I'm just so hard on myself, even though I can be so empathetic for other people. Like it's right. that, that long-term is, is even though I work out and I love to be, you know, active, like, it's, there's so much to be said, I think about your mental state, you know, yeah. and if you're down here, or if you're up here, more closer towards just love and abundance and happiness and joy, contentment yeah. with with life, I feel like that's ultimately getting us closer towards where we become kings of our kingdoms and, and living like, you know, happy in the present, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think of to your point also who you're surrounding yourself with. You know, are they yeah. are they mirroring to you positive energy, positive thought processes? You know, are they there for you when you need somebody to check you on your behavior a little bit? I think that's critical. And kids, I tell them all the time, you know, who are your five friends, right? And what are they yeah. telling you on a day to day basis? You know, if you're if your five friends are doing drugs and watching porn, you're in a bad place, right? Yeah. You want to find yeah. a place that's 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 echoing your, your, your sentiment outcome. Like, who do you want to be? Right. And if you want to be King of Kings, you want to surround yourself with people who want to be totally. on that same path. Right. So totally. you know, I think, I think most people in the world have us have a tape recorder that, that turns and looks at them sometimes and says things that they don't want to hear. I think that's mm -hmm. pretty universal. I think mm -hmm. for it to be detrimental, it has to block function. And I think mm. if it doesn't block function, then most of the time, it's not the worst thing in the world. It probably stimulates you to work a little harder. If you allow that tape recorder to play at a level that blocks function because you're, you're paralyzed by either you know, self-deprecation or fear, then it's a mess. And then you need to seek, seek mm. some help to get that unwound. But mm -hmm. I, think it, I think when you surround yourself by like-minded people who are moving in the right direction, it'll unwind itself. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's inspiring to see like, um, okay, if that's possible for him, then maybe there's it's, it's possible for me, right? Yeah. But uh, so many guys that I've had on on the the podcast who've dealt with substance abuse, so many of them said, you know, it kind of all started when uh, this event happened, 
but then I just started, you know, surrounding myself with people that were not great for me, <laughs> you know, the rough crowd and down, down they went, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you can be pushed there, right? So yeah. sometimes if you're hanging out with one crowd and you do something that their, their parents or somebody doesn't want you around anymore, all of a sudden you find yourself alienated and you may jump into the wrong crowd. And I think if that's the time to hold the course, even if you can't yeah. be around people, you know, find yeah. another path, but don't, don't fall prey to, you know, that self-soothing mechanism. Again, in this case, it could be anything from drug sex to whatever, but that's the nightmare. Just avoid that path. Find another group of people who love you for your honesty and who you are. Yeah. Yep. I think, uh, you know, obviously we've met through one men's community. There's so many out there. I have my own, um, you have your podcast, right. And your newsletter, yeah. tell, tell those that are listening a little bit more about that. If they wanted to connect with you and get clued in on what all you're doing. Yeah, for sure. So if you're interested at all in my ramblings in my brain, I write a <laughs> newsletter called the Salisbury Pediatric Associates Newsletter. Um, it is a newsletter uh, medically based, but covers all kinds of topics to try and help prevent disease per, um, from entering your body and secondarily from uh, continuing to go on in your body and becoming uh, debilitating. So everything is, you know, where I, where I call where the, uh, where the rubber meets the road or the river yeah. starts. If you go upstream, you're going to find the ways to change disease before it gets bad. So you can find that at uh, www.salisburypediatrics.com. There's mm. a health and wellness tab, tip that. You can get the email every morning, morning, if you want, it's a sign up newsletter. You have, once you get that awesome. newsletter, you got to click that you want it. It's a two way. So, and right. then the Can't podcast is done. Yeah. And the podcast is Dr. M D R period M apostrophe S women and children first. Uh, the goal of the podcast is to understand again, how to keep women and children in our, in our line of vision. So we help them have the best outcomes in life. And so what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And so we cover a lot of topics. Uh, I've actually just finished three-part series with, with uh, Trevor Boehm, Michael Gay and, and Dewey Freeman all about these things. Cause I think if men again are showing up, at the, as, as good as they can, they're changing major epigenetic marks in the genes for these kids and their wives. hundred percent. And I think uh, even going back to the, the weekend in Austin with you and I and, and the rest of the guys with Traver and Dewey and Michael um, at one point, uh, uh, I believe I, I think you're okay with me saying this. You just got triggered yeah. by um, just even how one guy was yelling and you felt yeah. like, uh, oh shit, like unsafe, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, and, and I say that only from the standpoint of like that, I had that same experience at a different weekend, you know, a couple yeah. of years ago. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit, like, and, and that's man to man, but I don't yeah. feel, I don't, I don't feel super safe around men. If I walk into a space of, of a lot of men, I don't feel safe. And if I don't feel safe as another man, what do I think men and or women and children feel? So I feel like a big right. part of the work that I'm doing is with that desire to make the world just feel safer to be a safe, yeah. not to even feel safer, but to be safer for not only us as men, but also women and children, because it's not a safe place in many regards because of the, the pain I think the men are in. Yeah, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I still yeah. remember that moment. Um, you know, very, very viscerally, because I grew up yeah. in a home where, where, where yelling and screaming was not abnormal. That's the way people communicated. And I just thought that was the norm. And so I've sort of carried that around in my life. I don't do it very often. Um, I'm, again, I'm a peacemaker, so I try not to do anything. But if I do let it out sideways, it's not pretty. And when I sat yeah. there in that moment, and had that visceral feeling, to your point, I was like, holy shit, this is not okay. Like, yeah. nobody should ever feel this way if I raise my voice. 
a kid, mm -hmm. my wife, anyone else. That is absolutely unacceptable, right? Yeah. And so yeah. there are things we learn as kids that we think are okay to some extent. Now, you know, not whitewashing the fact that yelling is a good idea ever, but people make decisions that aren't good. And, and you know, your childhood can make you think that that's just the way things are. And it's not, there's a better way to do everything. Yeah. And it's just a matter of getting, getting to the point of really looking hard at yourself and saying, what's the best way to be? Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, final question coming right back around full circle. Magrita, what's your, what's your background? What's your heritage? Where does that come from? Uh, Polish. My dad was Polish. born in 19, yeah, my dad was born cool. 1936 in a little town called Szczytno, Poland. Was uh he was uh it's a pretty pretty amazing story. He uh he was uh, a refugee from the World War II. Came over to the United wow. States, couldn't speak English and did the uh classic American dream until he became an IBM mainframe and computer guy. No so, kidding. Pretty crazy wow. story, yeah. I grew up really first generation. Yeah, first generation American in New York, but yeah, Polish. That's crazy. Very, very cool. I was wondering, I was like, what? I, don't, I couldn't uh, place it, but wondered if it was European. Um, well, dude, thank you so much for spending the time with me. Um, just kind of pouring into the guys that are listening and uh, just doing the work that you're doing with your podcast and all the work that you got behind you on the, on the wall. And uh, I'm just grateful that our paths have crossed, obviously. So super powerful. If guys, like I said, want to connect with you, it's, it's your podcast or your newsletter. Is that the yeah. best place to, yeah, I don't, to connect? I don't do social. Yeah. I don't do social at all. So if they want to connect to me, they can always email me through the, the, the newsletter okay. and the podcast is on Apple, Amazon or audible, I think. And it's Dr. Amazon children first. Yeah, killer. Killer. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll have to do this another time and, and uh, keep taking it, keep going up river, so to speak. Yeah, man, I love it. Get to the headwaters. headwaters. Tributaries. Yeah, exactly. Get to the headwaters. Awesome, guys. Thanks for listening so much uh, to this episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and definitely uh, check into to Chris's podcast and newsletter. I can tell you without a doubt, it'll be worth your, your time and effort. So until we meet on another podcast episode, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, buddy. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say, hey, it would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at johnnyking and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.